Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you'll see the link to read A Course in Miracles OE. On that same drop-down, there's an option to subscribe to have both the daily text reading and the lesson for the day sent to you from the Course in Miracles Society. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from 9.15 to around 10.45 or 50. And today we are beginning a new chapter. Chapter 21, The Inner Picture. And we'll be reading Section 1, Introduction, and Section 2, the imagined world. We're also mindful of our lesson today, lesson 235. God in his mercy wills that I be saved. And by way of opening this morning, I found this lovely little poem by Shailene Harkin that's called Love Awaits You There. Love Awaits You There. It's easier to notice pain than love. Love is the silence in the robin's throat that inspires it to sing. Love is the silent mantra of the universe that keeps things spinning. Pain is the tree that crashes in the forest. Love is what grows from the fallen. Love is the silence cupped in the perfect folds of an autumn leaf, the beauty that dances through everything when your worried mind has finally stilled. We forget to notice love because of its perfect loyalty. Morning dew damaging the grass, the extra sparkle in snow. For what other reason need it be there? The unconditional warmth rising daily to fill your sky, the ongoingness of flowers. Pause, dear one. Love awaits you there. God in his mercy wills that I be saved. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, it's really nice. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Hello. Beautiful. Yeah. We forget to notice. Thank you, Lori. So beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful, Lori. I'm glad you guys like that one. It made me feel happy, too. Okay. Here's our reading list, friends. We have Lee, Yvonne, Fran, Jessica, and Judy. And we're joined in listening this morning by Ida, Robin Marie, and Harrison. And who else has joined us that would like to say good morning or be on the reading list? Patricia here, available to read. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Hey, good morning, family. It's Carla. I'm listening for now. Hi, Carla. Hey. Uh, Micah and Roger are here, and I can... Oh, excellent. Good morning, guys. Anyone else? Good morning. It's Renee listening. Oh, sweet. Good morning, Renee. 
Okay. Listening, Steve. Good morning. Well, hi. Hey, Steve. Hi. Hey there. All righty. Anyone else? Oh, good morning, Laurie. I'm Slan. I'm a little late getting here. I can read. Very nice. Thanks, Lana. Okay. The train's ready to pull out then. <laughs> Our new chapter 21, the inner picture. We'll be reading today's section 1 and 2, Introduction and the Imagined World. Introduction. Projection makes perception. The world you see is what you gave it, nothing more than that. But though it is no more than that, it is not less. Therefore, to you it is important. It is the witness to your state of mind, the outside picture of an inward condition. As a man thinketh, so does he perceive. Therefore, seek not to change the world, but will to change your mind about the world. Perception is a result, not a cause. And that's why order of difficulty and miracles is meaningless. Everything looked upon with vision is healed and holy. Nothing perceived without it means anything. And where there is no meaning, there is chaos. Oh, oh boy, chapter 21, the inner picture. Introduction. Projection makes perception. The world you see is what you gave it. Nothing more than that. But though it is not more than that, it is not less. Therefore, to you it is important. It is the witness to your state of mind. The outside picture of an inward condition. As a man thinketh, so does he perceive. Therefore, seek not to change the world, but will to change your mind about the world. Perception is a result, not a cause. And that is why order of difficulty in miracles is meaningless. Everything looked upon with vision is healed and holy. Nothing perceived without it means anything. And where there is no meaning, there is chaos. Two, damnation is your judgment on yourself. And this, is, and this you will project upon the world. See it as damned, and all you see is what you did to hurt the Son of God. If you behold disaster and catastrophe, you tried to crucify him. If you see holiness and hope, you joined the will of God to set him free. There is no choice that lies between these two decisions, and you will see the witness to the choice you made and learn from this to recognize which one you chose. The world you see, it shows you how much joy you have allowed yourself to see in you and to accept as yours. And if this is its meaning, then the power to give it joy must lie within you. 
Thank you, Lee. And Yvonne, if you'd like to do two and then roll right into the next section, please. Hey, Lori, thank you. Damnation is your judgment on yourself, and this you will project upon the world. Be it as damned, and all you see is what you did to hurt the Son of God. If you behold disaster and catastrophe, you tried to crucify him. If you see holiness and hope, you join the will of God to set him free. There is no choice that lies between these two decisions. And you will see the witness to the choice you made and learn from this to recognize which one you choose. The world you see but shows you how much joy you have allowed yourself to see in you and to accept as yours. And if this is its meaning, then the power to give it joy must lie within you. Chapter 21, Section 2, The Imagined World. Never forget, the world the sightless, quote, see, must be imagined. For what it really looks like is unknown to them. They must infer what could be seen from evidence forever indirect and reconstruct their inferences as they stumble and fall because of what they did not recognize or walk unharmed through open doorways which they thought were closed. And so it is with you. You do not see. Your cues for inference are wrong. And as you stumble and fall down upon the stones you did not recognize but fail to be aware, you can go through the doors you thought were closed but would stand open before unseeing eyes waiting to welcome you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. And Fran. Two, the imagined world. Three, never forget the world, the sightless, quote, see, must be imagined. But what it really looks like is unknown to them. They must infer what could be seen from evidence forever, interact and reconstruct their inferences as they stumble and fall because of what they did not recognize or walk unharmed through open doorways which they thought were closed. And so it is with you. You do not see. Your cues for inference are wrong, and so you stumble and fall down upon the stones you did not recognize. They fail to be aware you can go through the doors you thought were closed, but which stand open before unseeing eyes waiting to welcome you. Four, how foolish it is to attempt to judge what could be seen instead. It is not necessary to imagine what the world must look like. It must be seen before you recognize it for what it is. You can be shown which doors are open, and you can see where safety lies, and which way leads to darkness, which to light. Judgment will always give you false directions. The vision shows you where to go. Why should you guess? Thank you, Fran and Jessica. Thanks, Laurie. Oh, hold on a second. Okay. 
Four, how foolish it is to attempt to judge what could be seen instead. It is not necessary to imagine what the world must look like. It must be seen before you recognize it for what it is. You can be shown which doors are open and you can see where safety lies and which way leads to darkness, which to light. Judgment will always give you false directions, but vision shows you where to go. Why should you guess? There is no need to learn through pain. And gentle lessons are acquired joyously and are remembered gladly. What gives you happiness you want to learn and not forget. It is not this you would deny. Your question is whether the means by which this course is learned will bring to you the joy it promises. If you believed it would, the learning of it would be no problem. You are not happy learners yet because you still remain uncertain that vision gives you more than judgment does. And you have learned that both you cannot have. Thank you, Jessica. And Judy. Thank you. There is no need to learn through pain. And gentle lessons are acquired joyously and are remembered gladly. What gives you happiness, you want to learn and not forget. It is not this you would deny. Your question is whether the means by which this course is learned will bring bring to you the joy it promises. If you believed it would, the learning of it would be no problem. You are not a happy learner yet because you still remain uncertain that vision gives you more than judgment does. And you have learned that both you cannot have. The blind become accustomed to their world by their adjustments to it. They think they know their way about in it. They learned it, not through joyous lessons, but through the stern necessities of limits they believed they could not overcome. And still believing this, they hold those lessons dear and cling to them because they cannot see. They do not understand the lessons Keep them blind. This they do not believe. And so they keep the world. They learn to, quote, see, unquote, in their imagination, believing that their choice is that or nothing. They hate the world they've learned through pain, and everything they think is in it serves to remind them that they are incomplete and bitterly deprived. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, Judy. I'm Patricia. The blind 
become accustomed to their world by their adjustments to it. They think they know their, their way. They think they know their way about in it. They learned it not through joyous lessons, but through stern necessity of limits. Limits they believed they could not overcome. And still believing this, they hold those lessons dear and cling to them because they cannot see. They do not understand. The lessons keep them blind. This they do not believe. And so they keep the world they learn to see in their imagination, believing that their choice is that or nothing. They hate the world they learned through pain and everything they think is in it serves to remind them that they are incomplete and bitterly deprived. Seven. Thus, they define, they define their lives and where they live, adjusting to it as they think they must, afraid to lose the little that they have. And so, it is with all who see the body as all they have and all their brothers have. They try. They try to reach each other and they fail and they fail again. And they adjust to loneliness, believing that to keep the body is to save the little that they have. Listen, listen and try to think if you remember what we will think of now. Thank you, Patricia and Micah. Okay. Um, seven. Thus they define their life and where they live, adjusting to it as they think they must, afraid to lose the little that they have. And so it is with all who see the body as all they have and all their brothers have. They try to reach each other and they fail and fail again. And they adjust to loneliness, believing that to keep the body is to save the little that they have. Listen and try to think if you remember what we will speak of now. Eight. Listen. Perhaps you catch a hint of an ancient state not quite forgotten. Dim, perhaps, and yet not altogether unfamiliar. 
like a song whose name is long forgotten and the circumstances in which you heard completely unremembered. Not the whole song has stayed with you, but just a little wisp of melody attached not to a person or a place or anything particular. But you remember from just this little part how lovely was the song, how wonderful the setting where you heard it, and how you loved those who were there and listened with you. Thank you, Micah and Lana. Okay. Eight. Listen. Perhaps you catch a hint of an ancient song, not quite forgotten, dim perhaps, and yet not altogether unfamiliar, like a song whose name is long forgotten and the circumstances in which you heard completely unremembered. Not the whole song has stayed with you, but just a little wisp of melody attached not to a person or a place or anything particular, but you but you remember from just this little part how lovely was the song, how wonderful the setting where you heard it, and how you loved those who were there and listened with you. Nine, the notes are nothing, yet you have kept them with you, not for themselves, but as a soft reminder of what would make you weep if you remembered how dear it was to you. You could remember, yet you are afraid believing you would lose the world you've learned since then. And yet you know that nothing in the world you learned is half so dear as this. Listen, and see if you remember an ancient song you knew so long ago and held more dear than any melody you taught yourself to cherish since. Thank you, Lana. And would there be a new reader for 9 and 10? Renee. Thanks, Renee. The notes are nothing, yet you have kept them with you, not for themselves, but as a soft reminder of what would make you weep if you remembered how dear it was to you. You could remember, yet you are afraid believing you would lose the world you learned since then. And yet you know that nothing in the world you learned is half so dear as this. Listen and see if you remember an ancient song you knew so long ago and held more dear than any melody you taught yourself to cherish since. Beyond the body, beyond the sun and stars, past everything you see and yet somehow familiar is an arc of golden light that stretches as you look into a great and shining circle. And all the circle fills with light before your eyes. The edges of the circle disappear and what is in it 
is no longer contained at all. The light expands and covers everything, extending to infinity, forever shining and with no break or limit anywhere. Within it, everything is joined in perfect continuity, nor is it possible to imagine that anything could be outside, for there is nowhere that this light is not. Thank you, Renee. And was there an, another new reader for 10 and 11? Ida. Thanks, Ida. You're welcome. 10. Beyond the body, beyond the sun and stars, past everything you see and yet somehow familiar, is an arc of golden light that stretches as you look into a great and shining circle. And all the circle fills with light before your eyes. The edges of the circle disappear. And what is in it is no longer contained at all. The light expands and covers everything. Extending to infinity. Forever shining and with no break or limit anywhere. Within it, everything is joined in perfect continuity. Nor is it possible to imagine that anything could be outside, for there is nowhere that this light is not. 11. This is the vision of the Son of God, whom you know well. Here is the sight of him who knows his Father. Here is the memory of what you are, a part of this, with all of it within, and joined to all, as surely as all is joined in you. Accept the vision which can show you this and not the body. You know the ancient song and know it well. Nothing will ever be as dear to you as this. Nothing will ever be as dear to you as is this ancient hymn of love. The Son of God sings to his Father still. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. And is there another narrator for 11 and 12? I can do this. Thanks, Romarie. This is... Excuse me. This is the vision of the Son of God, whom you know well. Here is the sight of him who knows his Father. Here is the memory of what you are, a part of this with all of it within and joined to all, as surely as all is joined in you. Accept the vision which can show you this and not the body. You know the ancient song and know it well. Nothing will ever be as dear to you as this ancient hymn of love the Son of God sings to his Father still. And now the blind can see, for that same song they sing in honor of their creator gives praise to them as well. The blindness which they made will not withstand the memory of this song. And they will look upon the vision of the Son of God, remembering who he is they sing of. 
What is a miracle but this remembering? And who is there in whom this memory lies not? The light in one awakens it in all. And when you see it in each other, you are remembering for everyone. Thank you, Robin Marie. And would there be another new reader to complete today with 12? Sure. I can do it. Uh-huh. Uh, Carla or Steve? Yes. Uh, Carla. Carla. Oh, okay. Uh -huh. Thanks. Twelve. And now the blind can see for that same song they sing in honor of their creator gives praise to them as well. The blindness which they made will not withstand the memory of this song. And they will look upon the vision of the Son of God, remembering who he is they sing of. What is a miracle but this remembering? <laughs> and who is there in whom this memory lies not? The light in one awakens it in all. And when you see the light in each other, you are remembering for everyone. Thank you, Carla. And thank you, everyone, who read this morning. Um, so to just touch on this with summary, then, from that first paragraph in the inner picture, projection makes perception. The world you see is what you gave it. Nothing more than that. But though it is no more than that, it is not less. Therefore, to you it is important. It is the witness to your state of mind, the outside picture of an inward condition. As a man thinketh, so does he perceive. Therefore, seek not to change the world, but will to change your mind about the world. Perception is a result and not a cause. That is why order of difficulty and miracles is meaningless. Everything looked upon with vision is healed and holy. Nothing perceived without it means anything. And where there is no meaning, there is chaos. And in that second paragraph, the world you see but shows you how much joy you have allowed yourself to see in you and to accept as yours. And if this is its meaning, then the power to give it joy must lie within you. In the imagined world, from paragraph 3, never forget, the world the sightless so-called see must be imagined for what it really looks like is unknown to them. And four, how foolish it is to attempt to judge what could be seen instead. It is not necessary to imagine what the world must look like. It must be seen before you recognize it for what it is. And judgment will always give you false directions, but vision shows you where to go. Why should you guess? In five, there is no need to learn through pain. Your question is whether the means by which this course is learned will bring to you the joy it promises. If you believed it would, the learning of it would be no problem. 
you are not happy learners yet because you still remain uncertain that vision gives you more than judgment does. And you have learned that both you cannot have. In six, the blind become accustomed to their world by their adjustments to it. They think they know their way about in it. They learned it not through joyous lessons, but through the stern necessity of limits they believed they could not overcome. They hate the world they learn through pain, and everything, everything they think is in it serves to remind them that they are incomplete and bitterly deprived. And seven, thus they define their life and where they live, adjusting to it as they think they must, afraid to lose the little that they have. They adjust to loneliness, believing that to keep the body is to save the little that they have. In eight, listen, perhaps you catch a hint of an ancient state, not quite forgotten, dim perhaps, and yet not altogether unfamiliar, like a song whose name is long forgotten, and the circumstances in which you heard it completely unremembered. But you remember from just this little part how lovely was the song, how wonderful the setting where you heard it, and how you loved those that were there and listened with you. And at this point, there's four paragraphs left that um, I don't think can be adequately summarized in pieces. And I notice there are several readers with us that haven't had an opportunity to read. And so, if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear paragraphs 9 through 12 again if we have four volunteers. You know, Steve, you volunteered before. This is Sandra. Anyone else? Thank you. So Steve, 9, and Sandra, 10. Uh, I've lost the page. I've lost the page, so I'll pass. Okay, see. Thank you, though. Um, so Sandra, 9. Is there another volunteer I, I, for 10? I can read. This is Diana. Thank you, Diana. Another volunteer for 11. I'll read again. Okay, Fran. Thank you. And anyone for 12? Uh, well, I, 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 would I, would do, I would read again. Fran, you want to switch spots with me? Do I want to what? Would you read 12? I'll read 11. Sure. Yeah, sure. Thank you. All right. Okay, then uh, perhaps Lemoyne can read 10. Sure. Okay. All right. Oh, wait, now I missed Diana. <laughs> Maybe we'll do 12 yeah. twice. I have 10. Okay. All right. We'll do 12 twice then. All right. So go ahead, please. Sandra. Nine. The notes are nothing, yet you have kept them with you, not for themselves, but as a soft reminder of what would make you weep if you remembered how dear it was to you. You could remember, yet you are afraid, believing you would lose the world you learned since then. And yet, you know that nothing in the world you learn is half so dear as this. 
Listen and see if you remember an ancient song you knew so long ago and held more dear than any melody you taught yourself to cherish since. Diana? Okay, number 10, Diana. Beyond the beyond the sun and the stars, past everything you see and yet somehow familiar is the arc of golden light that stretches as you look into the great and shining circle. And all the circles fill the light before your eyes. The edges of the circle disappear and what is in is no longer contained at all. The light expands and covers everything extending to infinity, forever shining and with no break or limit anywhere. Within it, everything is joined in perfect continuity. Nor is it possible to imagine that anything could be outside, for there is nowhere that this light is not. Thank you, Diana. Is it Carla then, or Fran? It's me, Aubrey. Uh Eleven. This is the vision of the Son of God, whom you know well. Here is the sight of him who knows his Father. Here is the memory of what you are. A part of this, with all of it within and joined to all, as surely as all is joined in you. Accept the vision which can show you this, and not the body. You know the ancient song, and know it well. Nothing will ever be as dear to you as is this ancient hymn of love the Son of God sings to his Father still. Thank you, Carla. Good friend. And now the blind can see, for that same psalm they sing in honor of their Creator gives praise to them as well. The blindness which they made, will not withstand the memory of this song, and they will look upon the vision of the Son of God, remembering who he is they sing of. What is a miracle but this remembering? And who is there in whom this memory lies not? The light in one awakens it in all. And when you see it in each other, you are remembering for everyone. Amen. Thank you, Fran. And Lemoyne, do you feel inclined to read that again? Sure. Thank you. And now, and now the blind can see for that same song they sing in honor of their creator gives praise to them as well. The blindness which they made will not withstand the memory of this song. 
and they will look upon the vision of the Son of God, remembering who he is they sing of. What is a miracle but this remembering? And who is there in whom this memory lies not? The light in one awakens it in all. And when you see it in each other, you are remembering for everyone. Amen. Thank you all. And um, we can open the floor for just a couple of minutes or we can go directly into our lesson. Um, I'd like to go to the lesson. Okay. Thanks, Fran. Thanks again. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook. And the theme that we are on now is what is salvation? And today's lesson is 235. God in his mercy wills that I be saved. So I shall read some from what is salvation. Salvation is a promise made by God that you would find your way to him at last. It cannot but be kept. It guarantees that time will have an end and all the thoughts that have been born in time will end as well. The thought of peace was given to God's son the instant that his mind had thought of war. There was no need for such a thought before, for peace was given without opposite and merely was. But when the mind is split, there is a need of healing. So the thought which has the power to heal the split became a part of every fragment of the mind that still was one, but failed to recognize its oneness. Now it did not know itself and thought its own identity was lost. Salvation is undoing in the sense that it does nothing, failing to support the world of dreams and malice. Thus it lets illusions go. By not supporting them, it merely lets them quietly go down to dust. And what they hid is now revealed, an altar to the holy name of God. Let us come daily to this holy place and spend a while together. Here we share our final dream. It is a dream in which there is no sorrow. From here, we give salvation to the world. For it is here salvation was received. The song of our rejoicing is the call to all the world that freedom is returned. The time is almost over, and God's Son has but an instant more to wait until his Father is remembered. Dreams are done, eternity has shined away the world, and only heaven now exists at all. Now we'll go over to the lesson. Lesson 235, God in his mercy wills that I be saved. I need but look upon all things that seem to hurt me and with perfect certainty assure myself, God wills that I be saved from this and merely watch them disappear. I need but keep in mind my father's will for me is only happiness to find that only happiness has come to me. And I need but remember that his love surrounds his son and keeps his sinlessness forever perfect 
to be sure that I am saved and safe forever in his arms. I am the son he loves, and I am saved because God in his mercy wills it so. Father, your holiness is mine. Your love created me and made my sinlessness forever part of you. I have no guilt or sin in me, for there is none in you. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 235, God in his mercy wills that I be saved. Father, your holiness is mine. Your love created me and made my sinlessness forever part of you. I have no guilt or sin in me, for there is none in you. Lesson 235. God in his mercy wills that I be saved. Amen. And amen. Amen. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Oh, thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Pastor Fran. Thank you. Thank you, Lori. Thank thank you, guys. Uh, this is Micah. Come ahead, please. Oh, okay. Um, I noticed a, a, a similar. I mean, I, no, I noticed a reaction to what is salvation. Sometimes I, I can go with it really, uh, you know, with no problem at all. But a couple passages kind of. Um, Created a little, a little, a little, t- little ping of sorrow or something, and and, and at one one of the, uh, it guarantees that time will have an end, and all the thoughts that have been born in time will end as well, and it created a like a oh, and then and then down in the last paragraph, uh, the song of our rejoicing is the call to all the world that freedom is returned, that time is almost over. And God's son has but an instant more to wait until his father is remembered. Dreams are done. Dreams are done. Eternity has shined away the world. 
and, it, and only heaven now exists at all. And it and it it kind of hurt something, you know. It was like, oh. and and I realized that um, I needed a, a deeper understanding of, of what was going on. And uh, so I went to the uh, what opened up with these memories when awareness would lift out of body identification and move into this mind, this unified, dynamic uh, mind. And, and uh, it, it, it had this, just a sense of unity. It wasn't like a separate thing at all. It was just a unified field of thought of consciousness of beingness of power of will of love and it was a unified field and that field was projecting the moment that i was in uh that my body my communication medium was in in space time it was projecting it holographically and that mind and, and as the uh, sense of identity, uh, or if you want to call it identity, the sense of I amness, of, of beingness, moved out of body identification into that mind, the, the dream dimension of a body in space-time became more and more neutral. And, but it was still there. But the beingness was of the mind, and it was an infinitely creative mind. And and like at one moment, in one one of these experiences, I thought I was dying, and and it was like the um, it was okay because it was just it was just a, a a creation of consciousness, of will and thought, and you know, and the projection of love. And it would go on. It was very creative. It would go on and do other things, you know, because its nature was to be creative. And so then that helped me uh, re-look at this paragraph. So I'll read it again. Um, The song of our rejoicing is the call to all the world that freedom is returned. The time is almost over. And there was no time in that mind. It It was... it was projecting a dimension of time. Time is almost over, and God's Son has but an instant more to wait until his father's remembered. Dreams are done. Eternity has shined away the world, and only heaven now exists at all. I guess that's all. Thanks. That was wonderful. Thanks, Micah. You're welcome. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. Micah, I hope you don't mind the correlation, but um, speaking of that last paragraph is exactly what I had in mind relative to this this lesson. It's good as I go through these 10 lessons associated with each of these special themes, this one being what is salvation, to lend a little thought to how the particular lesson ties back into that theme. This one promising me that um, God in his mercy wills that I be saved. 
and I can reflect back on what he has described as the nature of my salvation in that theme, what is salvation? One of his, um, one of the modifications of that thought of my being saved is available in that first line of this lesson today, 235. I need but look upon all things that seem to hurt me and with perfect certainty assure myself, God wills I be saved from this. It's another definition of salvation to know that God's will is that I be lifted out of everything that appears to have the power to hurt me. And uh, what he offers is an experience deep enough that it undercuts the faith I put in what I imagine of the world is capable of wounding me. It undercuts the faith I put in what appears capable of wounding me. There's a depth of understanding that undermines my sense of frailty. And it gives me a strength. And that's the provision by which, it's one of those provisions by which salvation comes to me. He offers me an order of experience that undermines my sense of frailty and impermanence. The sense that I'm, oh God, I'm always, always um, under threat and vulnerable. That's the order of salvation he describes to me in the special theme, What is Salvation? It's how he can tell me that this salvation that he says is mine is immediate in any moment that the memory of my identity is restored to me. None of this, although being mystical, requires that I become like a, like a mystical, mystical uh, saint in order that I have access to what he describes to me, both in what is salvation and in the reading today, is an order of memory that is so deep and profound that um, a glimpse into that memory um, sweeps away the faith that I put in my impermanence. It sweeps away the faith I put in... Um, it sweeps away the faith, the faith that I put in what I've learned about the world. Always he tells me that what hurts me is what I've learned mistakenly about the world. It's mistaken impressions I've taken on about the world in reflection of the mistaken impression I've taken on about how little and frail and limited I am. This limitation that he describes of me when I think that all of me is confined within this body, that I am really nothing more than merely a body with kind of an attendant capacity for consciousness, that that's really all that I am. Um, that's what the world teaches me. And he is referring in this course to an order of experience that completely undermines that sense of limitation. What I want to do to come back to that um, final paragraph of what is salvation, Micah is to refer to 
all of his references in this course to the end of time, to the world being whisked away, to the no longer um, seeing bodies, all of that is reference to an order of vision that replaces what I had thought of as the world with something so profoundly new that I relate to it now as the reinstatement of heaven. And I begin to understand heaven is what my memory of my identity reveals to me of every present moment. The world is what had ushered heaven out of my experience when my loss of sense of identity, this onset of my frailty, altered everything and made everything appear as it is not. Gave me this false association directed at everything and made me feel as though I walk in alien world. When the memory of my identity and the memory of God is restored to me, there are several things I thought were real. They get ushered out of the picture. One of them is the world as I had seen it and known it before. The other is time. Time gets ushered out of the picture and is replaced by a deep sense in me that can relate to timelessness that can relate to every moment in its fullness as what he's describing to me across this course as the experience of eternity, the experience of the eternal in a holy present moment, the experience of timelessness. So time is overtaken. Time is almost over. To be replaced by a fullness of presence that is the experience of timelessness, the world almost gone, to be replaced by a direct experience of what it is to have um, the knowledge that God has only ever given me, heaven in reflection of what I genuinely am, and that that is all that the memory of my identity could ever introduce to me as the nature of what I behold. It's heaven that stands in reflection of what I am in truth. And the world that had stood in reflection of my frailty is ushered out. This is how so many concepts um, are ushered out of my experience with the onset of what vision restores to me. Vision and memory are married where the memory of my identity is restored to me, my blindness is ushered out and vision ushered in. And none of that requires that I become something profoundly different. I'm just granted an order of experience in the onset of glimpses and holy instants that begin to reinstate within me this forgotten song where everything is revealed to me anew and where everything is joined in a continuity between all things and joined in a continuity within me 
The way he puts that in this, I'll conclude with this, the way he puts this um, is in paragraph 11. This is the vision of the Son of God whom you whom you know well. Here is the sight of him who knows his father. In other words, the memory of his father has been reinstated to him. Here is the memory of what you are. This is the memory of my identity reinstated to me. Both together, the memory of father and oneself. Here is the memory of what you are, he continues in paragraph 11, a part of all this, with all of it within, and joined to all, as surely as all is joined is it with me? No. As surely as all is joined in me. That's the nature of my immensity and my grandeur and my magnitude. All things, he says, are joined in me as they are joined in you and in each of us. That's the nature of my connection with all things. No alien relationship remains with the onset of this vision that he's talking about. And it's just in glimpses and, and um, episodes and um, maybe one grand event, but always something really deep within me resonating fully with every glimpse of what he's describing here and just the way that he describes it so beautifully here in the beginning of chapter 21. Thanks, everyone. I'm complete. Oh, that was just very, very beautiful. Thank you, Lee. Love it. Thank you, yeah. Lee. Oh, that is so beautiful. Thank you. Awesome. I just, this is Mike. I just want to add on to that, Lee. That was beautiful description, and on a, of a on a very practical level, uh, my experience, our experience here in space time of the transformed world, it, it was just perfect. And I just wanted to add a little bit on that. I, I don't think I highlighted enough that that experience of the mind. And the projection of time-space cause and effect were one. So that holiness in the mind that that was in that mind projected that holiness was in the holographic creation of everything in time-space. And so it, it just I see a direct parallel with what how you were describing our experience of the transformed world. It's it's really wonderful. Thank you. Oh, that makes me really happy to hear. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. Yes, thank you, Micah. Thank you, Micah. Thank you, Lee. Thank really you, good to hear you. Go ahead. Oh, come ahead, Patricia. I was just thanking Renee. Listening to you and uh, 
bringing this reading so alive. It's such a gratitude moment for me and you all helping me find words. Um, It's so true. And the thing my spirit wants to say with my experience is this, this song that sings, even when I'm not thinking about anything other than a task immediately, it's a hum and it's a constant that never leaves. It's a vibrating, amazing sound and it expands and does all kinds of things, but it never ever leaves. The second thing highlighted here is this uh, quality of light and the relationship with time. Because what I experience with sometimes the limitation of words that I want to send our hearts out and guidance uh, for everyone's vision right where we are is when this became full-time, this light awareness. It wasn't somewhere else. Eternity is here now, and it's a forever light that holds me. It just simply holds me. It's never stopped. So there is no future place behind a body or behind a story. And with I'm playing with the words, if you forgive me right now, but it's just it, the word beyond is simply, I think, spoken to the ego to, to go through this and let it all go just for a moment and let this light be the only thing the formless something the blind the something that doesn't need a mind now that light is constant you guys it does not eliminate anything it informs and liberates everything It's not like a magic wiggle your nose and get what you want. It's a total surrender because not being a body, I have no intention for any proof of any physical dimension at all. There is no need for a defending or Tell me, show me how real that is. The physical world in time are small pieces of life, very tiny pieces. So time becomes, I'll tell you guys, eternity, this light and hum we call love, Christ, that's permanent. It is permanent. And there is no out, nothing that will go outside it. So if I try to say there's something not here yet, Eternity tells me, honey, you're fooling yourself. So I'm here with you all the time, and there's nothing outside anymore. Nothing. There's no future outside now. There's no change in the way something's going to occur outside this now. It's all here. So then that gives me 
a brand new relationship with time. And it feels like the most elastic, you know, like those elastic waistbands. It's the most elastic thing. Time is so temporary. So the permanence is the eternal light holding everything. The in and out flickers that I get to play with in time, I get to travel, I get to shift from one timeline to another where different personalities shine through people. Like Micah said, you know, really to me, Mike, I'm playing in time when I sit in a shopping mall and watch the people because I'm feeling spirit. Oh, there's so much you can do with time, but you can also just organize a day. Organize a house, organize the office, and have yourself held in this glow of perfection in all the little incomplete, perfect incomplete pieces of time. So they both abide, and I didn't have to die to be living it. And I'm learning how to try to talk about it. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. So lovely. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. This is Steve. I'm reminded from this conversation about what Thich Nhat Hanh talked and called it the palace, where we were in the womb. We didn't have to breathe on our own or eat. There was no other. And I'm also reminded of, I forgot where I got this, but I I have noticed little infants, firstborns, if you take a little bell and ring it, they'll go, ah, they'll, they'll go towards it. Or they'll just stare at the light at a chandelier, a newborn, because they remember the state of being in what Thich Nhat Hanh called the palace. And I believe that this is on a practical level where I go when I slow slow, slow, and feel my innate essence, which is the palace. I don't know when the palace became known from the fertilization of the egg to me when I am was formed. I don't know that. But I do know that within me is this recognition of a place of light and sound and beauty and 
no otherness but connection. I'm complete. Thank you, Steve. That was just great. Oh, thank you, Steve. Good morning. Thanks, Steve. And thank you, Patricia. I was called away, and I, I just wanted to really thank you for that share. Thanks, Steve. Sorry, Judy. Hi, everyone. Good morning. Oh, I love this. This is just wonderful stuff. And, you know, that in the introduction, how it speaks of as a man thinks, so does he perceive, and um, that perception is a result not a cause. It's a, a result of an inner condition of my mind. And um, how it, it speaks of um, the doors of perception. And I, I was thinking, you know, when I stop limiting um, my perception to my version, Judy's opinionated version of what she thinks reality is, and let go, let go, let go of my thinking and my opinions and my judgments and um, just seeing all as and everything as being for everyone's highest good and God, God giving its meaning and its purpose to it. And, um, you know, forgetting what my idea of the meaning and the purpose of the world is for according to the, to the perceptions the things that the world taught me and, um, you know, the, the opening the doors of my perception to ways that open it, music being the most singular um, expression of forgetting what I think I know and just joining with music and forgetting the sense of myself, personal self, and joining with the flow of the music and becoming one with music. And the music of the spheres has always been one of the most transcendental, transcendental um, forms of listening to me. Like, how far can I open my mind and listen in stillness to the presence of God to the music of the spheres, and I mean, that just jettisons me, <laughs> and how, um, you know, it says in the, that the notes are nothing, but the notes are everything, too, you know, that, that everything, everything is a part of it, and the, the, the notes can be so quiet, or they can be really loud, you know, and like thunder, or the gentleness of the fog and how many thousands of ways there are to listen to the notes. Listening is such a fine art of living to me um, and, the, and the joy and the presence of God in things, the sounds that echo, that mirror God in, in, in the phenomenon of form, that they are echoes and mirroring reflections us included, and um, the music, that music, the beauty of music that lends ourselves the freedom to forget ourselves as bodies and dance. The freedom of dancing freely is one of my greatest joys, and there's, there's many ways to dance, you know. You can dance doing housework, or you can dance while you're swimming, 
or you can dance while you're running or dance while you're skiing or dance while you're riding your bike or dance while you're making love with someone. And then I was thinking, too, on another door of perception that opens me to my true self is laughing and how laughter is the music of the soul it, because it, it, it emancipates my soul. It takes away the seriousness that I take in and of myself, and I forget myself. So laughter and the joy, the joy, and, um, you know, I just love the way, and I'll finish with this, there is no need to learn through pain, and gentle lessons are acquired joyously and remembered gladly. What gives you happiness you want to learn and not forget. And, you know, I just love the end of the text where it talks about the choice for happiness, for joy and happiness is to choose to be ourselves in our most natural, um, original factory settings. Ergo, here I go, kids. I wish you joy and bless you with peace. Thank you. Oh, that was beautiful, Judy. Thank you. Wonderful, Judy. Thank you. Hi. This is Ida. Hi. I'll just put a little addendum on top of that. Thanks, Judy. Um, you listen with your ear, but you hear with your, add the T to it, you hear with your heart. Thank you. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, and thank you, Judy, for both of you. Yes, That dear, that word dear in the reading, I wept when I read this for the first time and over and over again. How dear, remember the song how dear it was to you, and nothing is no half so dear as this. And you remember how dear the situation was when you, where you were when you heard it and how you loved the ones who were there and listened with you. <laughs> Holy mackerel. Great stuff. When they talk about the the sounds of the universe and stuff. Um, somebody once did an experiment and took the sounds of a bunch of cicadas and <clears throat> modified them to what they would sound like if the cicadas looked like and were the same size as human beings and they sounded like a heavenly angelic chorus. I'm complete. Thanks, Ida. The sound current has been spoken about in ancient Hindu texts. The Christians call it angels singing. Pythagoras called it music of the spheres. I got initiated where I I learned how to listen to the inner sound. And it's a universal uh, uh, sound, music of the spheres. Uh, this is a, a known, shared, all music comes from the source of that white sound. And I find it helpful to just 
listen when it's really quiet. Silence is golden. Mm-hmm. Silence is deafening. I'm complete. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Steve. This is Renee. And maybe the Course calls it the atonement. We're all in training to the same tone. And I'm so thankful for all you guys. I'm so grateful to share this resonance that helps me to entrain up to, to the call. I'm complete. That's nice. Thank you, Renee. Thank you, Renee. Sweet, sweet. Thank you, Renee. Good morning, it's Lana. Um, boy, I've been loving the shares. Everybody has been um, gifting me with this morning. And uh, there's so much in my heart after reading this section that I'd love to share, but I'll maybe I'll share more in the after call. But um the one thing that really stands out to me and was prompted by your shares was um, I speak often of coming to that place of present, a present state of awareness where I um, just, uh, where I'm just still with God and notice with my eyes closed of what I'm aware of. And um, it's such a, a pure state because in that state, when I'm united with God, there's nothing else added to it but the awareness. And, and, and I refer to it as a timeless state because I stand fixed with God here and now, and it's like time just passes in front of me. I'm not a part of it. It just flows in and out of my awareness, and um, as well as thoughts, you know, they just flow in front of me. And uh, and I can just allow them to be and travel in and out of my awareness and and feelings too. Uh, the the thing about feelings though is are that um, whatever they are, I am guided to embrace them in love. Uh, whether they show up as discomfort or they show up as peace and love, I just want to bring them to my heart and embrace them in love and um and it has such a healing quality about it and so i um jesus will, will tell me you know just step out of time and rest your mind and that's why it's such a glorious experience to do that um and things thoughts and feelings come and go but i'm fixed in the present moment with God and that's where I recognize and experience my peace and there's a paragraph or a sentence in the reading today um, which goes to points to you know why would I not want to be there all the time why do I enter time and leave this place of um, holiness and peace with God and uh, let me see if I can real quick find the sentences um, well, he, he's saying that um, your question is whether the mean. this is in paragraph five, your question is whether the means by which this course is learned will bring to you the joy it promises. If you believed it would, 
the learning of it would be no problem. You are not happy learners yet because you still remain uncertain that vision gives you more than judgment does. And you have learned that both you cannot have. So if I'm honest with myself, I will just acknowledge that there's still a fragment of my mind of uncertainty and doubt that prevents me from fully embracing the idea that truth is true and only an insane or sick mind would not choose to join it. At some level in my mind, I'm still healing a belief that what I have now as a body and my interpretations of the world give me some safety that is more real to me than the truth of God that God is offering me to embrace. So um, there's no guilt there or judgment. It's just something for me to note that the choice for love and truth is the obvious choice. And I, I look at those beliefs I still have in place about there being another choice or seeking safety and peace in another choice. And I just look at them with God and ask them, uh, you know, to heal my mind of those. You know, I don't want anything to stay, to be, to block the awareness of consistent and total peace that I find in him. And he sure has shown me enough times that I can depend on him. But it's like I'm pulling out that root that final root that frees me from fear. And um, maybe in the after call, I'll, I'll share with you a few paragraphs from Sebastian's book, Choose Only Love, it's book seven, where he gives me a vision of what life experience would be without fear. He shows me what I'm missing, and he gives me a reference point to you know to point my mind towards and help me embrace it fully so I can enjoy that state and it's really beautiful it's just like the beautiful passages we read today about the ancient song and I do experience that um, when I immersed myself in God in the present moment it shows up for me like a chorus of angels singing Gregorian chants and it's it's a subtle melody a present um, song that um, just gives me that beautiful experience of love's remembrance and 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 love's joy so um, anyway I'll, I'll I'll close with that but um, this has been as always uh, just Sorry, a truck's going by outside. <laughs> um, a, a beautiful reminder. You guys are just bringing to mind such beautiful thoughts and memories. So thank you. I'm complete. Beautiful, beautiful. Really, really nice. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. I'm glad I caught thank that. You. I had to be off for a while. Sorry. Um, well, 
One second. I have a barky little dog here. Okay. That's good. Um, thanks for calling on me. Um, I love this section so much. I'm never certain if I can get through it without crying. Um, and it's so moving. But what I wanted to talk about uh, today, or what I feel called to talk about today, is the ordinary quiet that um, that you all have touched on. Um, there's, you know, to ego, ego mind, every um, every soaring description of the unity of the Father and the Son seems um, impossible. And, um, and and so far out of reach. But I was driving yesterday. I had to do an errand and lots of things were going on in my day. But as I rounded the corner of a street that's very familiar, I was struck by just the ordinary fullness of the moment and um and and I noticed Lee, how you said we don't need to reach for uh soaring extraordinary moment when vision comes. And I was struck with it yesterday, how quiet it seemed when I rounded that corner and just felt the love of everything like a well bubbling in my heart and it's the same feeling that I get every morning when I join this call resonance is a beautiful word for it Renee and as I thought about that yesterday and, and thought about it this morning and listened to your shares I'm reminded of how it says in Course of Love that only in relationship do you experience anything to me vision is simply the awareness that I am in relationship with everything and that because my identity is what it is and I am a humble servant of this identity so I hope that's understood um, but as a humble servant of this identity I enjoy the fullness that comes to me but I never experience it as fully alone as I do when I'm sharing this one mind with you all and I just can't even begin to express my gratitude for it it's an ordinary thing you know you get up in the morning you read your lesson you look at your reading you get on the phone and all of those ordinary movements ordinary just ordinary becomes so full because of the way we touch the one mind together I know I'm not alone in noticing that and every voice that reads every voice that shares every voice that's even here by virtue of their presence saying I'm with you today listening involves a complete relationship 
because of the unity of the Father and the Son. We could not be apart from that. And so, um, (laughs) by forgetting all the lessons I taught myself, forgetting uh, the cloud that the egos cast over everything by letting that be lifted for me. I become a humble servant to the mind of God and there's just absolutely no place I'd rather be or anything I'd rather be doing than to participate in sharing that love with you all. I'm complete. Mm, thank you, Lori. Beautiful gift. Yeah. Oh, how so beautiful, Lori. Thank you. Thank you. So moving. Thanks, Lori. Yes. Yes, Lori. Thank you. It's a beautiful thing we do every morning. And, um, when all of those separations are resolved, I realize that just like he says, just like he says, I have to find it. Here we go. I walk with God in perfect holiness. It's lesson 156. And I just want to share uh, two paragraphs from that. There is a light, a capital light in you, which cannot die whose presence is so holy that the world is sanctified because of you. All things that live bring gifts to you and offer them in gratitude and gladness at your feet. The scent of flowers is their gift to you. The waves bow down before you and the trees extend their arms to shield you from the heat and lay their leaves before you on the ground that you may walk in softness while the wind sings to a whisper around your holy head. The light in you is what the universe longs to behold. All living things are still before you, for they recognize capital who walks with you. The light you carry is their own, and thus they see in you their holiness, saluting you as Savior and as God. Accept their reverence, for it is due to capital holiness itself which walks with you transforming in its gentle light all things into its likeness and its purity this is the way salvation works as you step back the light in you steps forward and encompasses the world amen and I do thank you all for your light Amen. Wonderful selection. Thanks. Thank you, Lori. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, everyone, too.